Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. Brandon Wild Pickups. Hey, that's me, Todd Novak. We are super duper happy that you are <laughs> joining us for this episode of the Guitar Knobs Very podcast. Happy. Especially since now we have a battery in the Bluetooth we mouse and we can drive. actually click on the button to make it work. I like, <laughs> I like powered mice. Yeah. I cut an, an hour. I'm definitely going to bring a uh, a backup. You a know, pack of backups. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. So uh, we've got someone super special on the line. Uh, JP Henry from Henry Amplification. Yes, sir. Sounded mighty smooth and sweet, rivaling Jared's golden throat as well. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, uh, JP, where are you calling from? I'm calling from rainy, freezing New Jersey. Oh, boy. Oh. Right outside of New York City. Yeah. Jersey. Okay. Uh, we had a couple, we just had uh, a fellow Jerseyite, um, Scott DeBockler from uh, SNK Pedals on. Uh, we just actually did that last week. Oh, I don't think I knew him. I'll have to look oh, into that. Oh man, you guys gotta out. get together. He makes some sweet pedals. Is Very that cool. is that an actual city? Rainy freezy? <laughs> it's actually East <laughs> also known as Rutherford. <laughs> but yes, today it's rainy freezy. <laughs> nice. Uh I was I was about to just kind of pile on the Jersey joke and I'm like, eh, I'm not gonna do that. No, it's fine. I'm originally from Texas, actually. So uh, the Jersey thing, you know, I've been here for like Pretty much my whole life. Yeah, you don't sound like a a resident Jersey guy. Like that's been there all his life. Yeah, I've avoided the accent. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everybody uh, everybody brings that up to me. Where's the accent? You don't sound like Tony Soprano, you know? <laughs> right, right. Uh, we think it's in your best interest not to make so many jokes about uh, Jersey, you see. <laughs> is everything, it, is, yeah. it is the garden state after all. Is everything yeah. there compared to Texas smaller or what? Yeah. yeah. Oh, much smaller. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see. Well, everything's smaller except the big sound of your amps, my man. So we're going to talk about that, uh, at length through the rest of the podcast. Everyone who is joining for the very first time, welcome to our show. What do we do on this show, Jared? Oh man, we talk to boutique builders of pedals and guitars and amps. And, uh, sometimes we talk to the big guys too. And, uh, we like to, um, get into how they got started and, and where they're going and uh, that's our shtick here. We yes, love guitars, sir, yes, sir, man. yes, sir. Three bags full. All right. Uh, yeah. So that's what we're doing tonight. We're gonna talk to a a new a new friend of ours uh, who makes handmade, hand wired, hand built, hand everything amps <laughs> that you play with a guitar. Okay. Your hands. <laughs> uh, we've got just a little bit of. And it, we're not calling it news anymore because by the time we we try to re- get a couple of these in the can, so we're not strung out. Uh, Let's like call it trying. olds instead. It's it's, it's just announcements. <laughs> announcements. 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 <laughs> All right, I have a few things. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. yeah okay. You, you you never go first. Um, I had the supreme privilege of meeting. This is one of those weird things where digital life meets real life. I had uh, one of our uh, early patrons, Derek Fitzer, who you've, if you've listened to the show, you've heard him mentioned many times at the end of the show. He contacted me and asked me to come speak at his, at the school that he teaches. He teaches uh, interactive uh, arts and uh, development and software design, all kinds of stuff. And that is at the Southwestern Career Academy. So I visited there today and got to speak to his class. And it was a supreme privilege and a pleasure 
uh, really enthusiastic kids who got some great ideas, and they shared with me the podcast that they're working on, which is really exciting. Oh, that's cool. And we just cool. talked about, you know, how to how to make your creativity and dreams come uh, come to realization. All it takes is a double A battery. <laughs> yeah. right. I bet that was. In my was, case, uh, yes. That had to have been pretty rewarding. It re- no, that's it, cool. Honestly, that's just to be cool. asked yeah. was yeah. I, that made my day, man. I can't. It was. It was really great. Uh, so thank you to the class uh, at Southwestern Career Academy. You guys are great, and much luck to you. And thank you, Derek Fitzer, for being a great example to those kids and for supporting our show. We we really appreciate it. Absolutely. I also want to point out that uh, all of our previous episodes, so we've interviewed a lot of people this year, everybody, Mm. and um, we're going to probably go through a roll call towards the end of the year just to remind everybody and ourselves of what a great year it was. If you want to check out those older episodes, if you're like, what, I've already heard all the episodes on Spotify or iTunes. You have not. You have not. (laughs) Where can you go to hear those, Tony? Well, you could go to the Guitar Knobs website. That is true. And stream them from there. Correct Mundo. That's where I go. That's where you should go. Uh, so make sure you check out all of our older episodes. We reference a lot of people uh, from from past episodes. And uh, don't go, maybe maybe not all the way back, because those are a yeah, little Yeah, start with like episode <laughs> 12. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so I just wanted to bring that up. And anything from you dudes? Yeah, I don't have anything this week. Okay. Are we doing our what's in our? our we're we're our, just about to. Oh, Why okay. Why don't you just start that off? Tell okay. me what's going on in your music world this week. Well, this week, today, this day, I scored. I think a, a, a spectacular deal. I thought you were just going to leave it with I scored, and I was like, hey, <laughs> all right, I shoot, I scored. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so anyhow, I I have had kind of a, a hankering for. Uh, a Vox guitar, either a a, a Phantom nice. or a Teardrop, uh, like Brian Jones had, mm. and um, so I was digging around a little bit, and there's a company on out in Oregon called Phantom Guitar Works, and they've been making r- probably better than the original uh, Phantom or Vox replicas, um, and I found one on Reverb uh, at a very good price. The seller had just reduced it a little bit. It's in smoking good condition. And to boot, it is uh, uh, from the early to mid-90s, which at that time, Phantom was building, I believe, everything uh, in the U.S. I think now they may assemble their things from uh, from import parts. But uh, so this is a, it's, it's an old one. It's one of the probably... Uh, I'm probably going to say probably the first generation of the of the Phantoms, and that's kind of the. And for those who don't know, the Phantom model is a uh, kind of a five sided. It's a polygon. It's a polygon. It's a round. It's a, it's it's a, a rounded. It's a pentagon. Uh, it's like a, <laughs> but an off, it's like an, an angled, offset pentagon. It's like an angled egg. <laughs> yeah. It's more or less. Yeah. So, I mean, this thing, I I, I got it for, pro, I, I kind of feel it's about half of what it should have been. Yeah. Uh, I, honestly, man, if they had a different headstock, I think they'd be much more successful. That or that, Well, that's the original. They, I know. It's the original headstock, but that's the kind of thing that's like... But what's really cool about Phantom Guitar Works is they actually own the uh, trademarks for 
all of the original Vox body shapes and headstock yeah, they shapes. They beat Mike oh, nice. Robinson yeah. Very from cool. Eastwood to that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he just makes a couple of changes. But, yeah. But anyhow, so yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really excited to get it. It's supposed to be here on Thursday, uh, a couple of days from now. and uh, You might have to sell that to me so I can paint it black and put a gold pickguard <laughs> on it. That would be sweet. <laughs> I guess not. No. Oh, man. No. None for your heartbeat. So that's what's going on in my music work sweet. week. How about let's hear from JP. Uh, let's see. This week, uh, I did a little guitar safariing with a friend of mine the other day. Just yesterday, actually. Today's Tuesday. Yeah. So Monday afternoon, we went to Retro Fret Guitars in Brooklyn. Oh yeah. And I tried a Fender Electric 12, a 1966. Oh man. Electric 12. Yeah. And I loved it. Um I'm going to have to hunt a little more to find one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was more of a condition. I mean, it was a fair price. It's just it was a little beat up. So, you know, if it had been in maybe in mint condition, mm-hmm. I would have uh I might have pulled, figured out a way to pull the trigger on it cuz it really? was really nice. The beat up ones are the best ones. <laughs> it was uh I think if the price reflected it, you know, if I felt I like you. I was, yeah, but uh, it's a great store. I don't want to make them sound like it's overpriced or anything because uh, it's not at all. That very, very cool store. And uh, yeah, yeah, they That's have a great talk about the boxes. They had a whole bunch. They had a, a box 12 string Phantom, yep. I think. And uh, a couple others hanging on the wall too. Very cool. Yeah, those those are, you know, what I found because uh, I've, I've made quite a few pick guards for Phantoms now. And those those guards shrink more than any guard that I've ever worked on before. Oh, so wow. I have people actually send me bodies, and and there's two versions. There's the the UK version, which are all pretty good. The pickups are really good, and then there's the Italian versions uh, that aren't as as good and not as well made. So Awful pickups. Yeah, you have, you have to be careful on on some of the vintage stuff. But um, also, if you go to my website, uh, you can. I, I actually made a. Uh, a 12-string, a Fender 12 replica. Oh, nice. Um, that's actually I'll the, check that the out. second one that I did. And it's, you know, it's slightly different, but it's actually in, in a lot of ways a little more... Is that the one with the droopy banana? That's the droopy banana. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, the <laughs> headstock? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it reminds that's a great me, way to describe it. <laughs> it, it. It reminds me of the popsicle that um, Alex is is uh, <laughs> taking a lick on at the... Uh, 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 in in Clockwork Orange oh, yeah. at, at the disco. Wow, that's so, that's so much more accurate than the hockey that everybody calls it. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. well, well, my brothers. Yes. <laughs> cool. Nice. All right. So, J Rod, what you got? All right. Well, so I tried out those Strymon pedals a while yeah. back that our our good friend let us uh, borrow for a little bit. But uh, I bought – that inspired me to, to uh, mess with a pedal called the, the Midnight and formerly known as uh, Red House Electronics, which is now uh, Native Electronics. Native Audio. Native Audio, I'm sorry. And anyway, I, I messed and messed with that pedal until I got it dialed in, and I, I've, I've had it over a year, and I just now figured it out. So I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, when you buy a pedal, the first thing you do is mess with it, mess with it, mess with it, mess with it until you figure it out. Well, I just finally did that, and the thing is fantastic. Yeah. I got the sound I want out of it. Um, it I kind of like it better than the, the big giant Mutron 
um, biphase that I have. Mm. The only difference is the biphase actually can do true stereo. Mm. However, that um, Red House uh, native, native audio, audio. You have right? the old one, so it's okay to call it a Red Yeah, house. I guess. I don't know. We'll let Mike be the judge of that. But, yeah. uh, but anyway, I got that to sound. Bro, it's native audio, bro. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. You're coming back here too, bro. <laughs> anyway, yeah, man. Uh, that's So I finally figured that thing out. It sounds really great. And another thing I wanted to uh, just kind of mention is I don't know, for, for all you guys out there that have, or gals, have several guitars, you know, I, you always end up just kind of getting that one out of the case, and you always go to one of those the most, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I've been noticing, well, I do, okay. I've been noticing getting out my 79 uh, Les Paul Custom that's just, it's a natural color, but it's just kind of orange and wore through other places where the maple neck's showing through. That's like my favorite guitar. Nice. It's like, it's not certainly not the best one I own because I've I've got more that are you know worth more and, or what other people would much more you know prefer over. But uh, I don't know why, man. This old heavy 1979 Les Paul Custom. I've just been getting it out every time I go get out a guitar. Mm. Well, all right. So I was thinking about refinishing that. No. And then Tony the told me hell no. What are you doing? <laughs> uh. Sparkle top no, or no, uh. no, no. If anything, you do a black back and call it a day. Nah. Oh, Mick Ronson. Mickey Ronson. Nah. All no, right. I'm not. Todd, how about you? What's going on in your musical world? Well, um, I played a whole lot of guitar this week, but that's not the thing that I'm going to mention. I have. Uh, I've got three daughters. One of whom is uh, she. It, it plays stand-up bass, or, you know, there's a bunch of different words for that, but the big giant bass. Uh, and she just joined band at school, and really quickly, I think she's like, hmm, Dad, how about that electric bass you have up there? I've got an, I got a bass we call Stinky. Uh, it's an, it's a really old PV Fury that's yeah. it's a really you great bass. You mentioned that in some it's of the early bass. episodes. Yeah, it's a great bass. Um, but it's stinky because when I got it, it was covered in uh, old beer and I'm pretty sure a lot of cat urine. Uh, so <laughs> it took a while to, to rid stinky of the. Yeah, I mean, it's still it. You know, I can still smell it a little bit. But anyways, it's a great base. So I took her to uh, the music store, our local one. Uh, it's called Music Go Round. It's where you take old gear and you can they'll trade it and sell it and all that business. And uh, so I let her try out uh, a whole bunch of different bases on the wall. So she she got to try out lots of different styles, active pickups, five strings. I said, put that back, and and all kinds of <laughs> all kinds of other things. And then we plugged in to a to a bass amp, and she had never physically played through a bass amp. And I picked a nice big amp ampeg and <laughs> turned it up, and she started playing seven nation army and and like i and then she looked at me really quick and just i this the look on her face is like i'm like uh oh she's she's hooked <laughs> so that was really exciting for me oh, that's um, cool yeah so it looks like i'm gonna be looking for a a decent uh bass amp that is you know i guess practice ish 
but not one of those little ones where I just go like, mm, I wish I had a better one. Boom, boom, yeah. Boom, boom. I needed to move some air, but I don't need it to shake the house, you know? Uh, oh, no, you got to shake the house. <sighs> I got a, I fifth, I got a, fifth, a Fender 50 watt uh, for you, a mm. two, 212 50 watt basement amp. That's a, mm. only yeah. a thousand bucks. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> what are those? Right. Fender, the Fender Rumbles are pretty good for not a lot of, not a lot of, yeah, scratch, they're, you know? well, I think a hundred watt. Fender yeah, Rumbles or something like that. Yeah, I think they have like a 12 and a 15 one. So yeah. the watch is probably a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm kind of just going to wait till uh, like an old PV comes up. Because, um, man, those things, they sound, they still <laughs> sound good. They're indestructible. Yes. And, uh, you know, and, and they're relatively cheap. So first amp, I don't need to go gonzo on, you know. Anyhow, so that's what's going on. Let's talk about some pedals real quick. One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. All right, JP, let us have your four on the floor. My four on the floor. I was thinking about this earlier today, and if I could only have four pedals with me for a gig, I would go two of them would be Analog Man. Uh, There'd be a Prince of Tone and a Sunface. So let's let's start with the Prince of Tone first. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, Prince of Tone. That's uh, that's a uh, you know that's up there in the echelon of of pedal lore. Tell us all about that. Well, it's one half of the revered King of Tone, which uh, I've I've thought about putting my name on the wait list for. But uh, the Prince, I, I don't think I need the the two in one box like the King of Tone does. So. Uh, picked up a Prince of Tone and it just works so well with almost any guitar and amp that I use it with. So if I'm playing a gig and I don't know what the back line's going to be, if I can't bring one of my own amps, uh, it just, it just does what I need it to do for everything from a, a lighter rhythm type of overdrive to like a full on lead sustain. Uh, I guess that's why so many people like the King of Tone so they could set each one a little different. Mm. Um, but uh, for my purposes, the Prince of Tone and having a couple other choice things before and after it kind of cover all that ground. Mm. Did you buy that uh, secondhand or was it brand new? Uh, that was brand new. I got that directly from Mike. So that must have been pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. Big time. That was uh, I got the tip that you had to check his website on a certain day of the week to get them in stock. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a Wednesday or something. And, and if you order wrong, he goes... No pedal for you. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no pedal for you. <laughs> no come back for one year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep, yep. Nice. So yeah, so I, I got it the first time I tried. It was like, you know, 8, 8 p.m. And I figured, oh, I, I had just remembered to check the site and uh, went on there and tried to add it to my cart and it went through. So uh, yeah, definitely got pretty excited about that. Oh, to be a builder with that problem. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, oh, well, I'd love to get him on the show. Um, if you, you know, put in a good word for me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I don't know him that well, but he's, he's big on the, he's on the interwebs oh, all the time. Yeah. Big on Instagram and, and Facebook, I think. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, that's, that's quite uh, a big one to start off with. What do you have next? Well, I would say the the Sunface Fuzz is I pretty much always have it with me. And uh, I guess mine's a 
a medium to higher gain. I don't remember the actual actual transistor that's in it offhand. I like exactual. That's a great word. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I make up words all the time, man. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I could probably print my own dictionary by the end of the year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just a cool fuzz. It works particularly well with my Strat, which I play. I my pretty much like you're talking about your 79 Les Paul being uh or someone was I, I forget which Jared. one of you just saw Jared gotcha uh my my strat's a Mexican road worn strat mm-hmm. that I kind of picked up on a whim and replaced the bridge replaced the pickups so that's become my main guitar and nice. again it's uh something that you know all together under a thousand dollars and it's just my favorite guitar. That's awesome. Beats out, beats out a lot of vintage pieces and uh, some newer expensive ones. But anyhow, uh, it works so well with the Sunface that if I'm bringing one to a gig, I bring the other. That's just the way it works. Now, the Sunface, uh, I I have not played one. Uh, can you explain? Like, I think the, at least for me, the uh, the the key with a good fuzz is it a is it how how does it work with the mids right and especially if you're switching guitars so like is that is that humbucker friendly is it single coil friendly with when you if you turn down the gain a bit it's more humbucker friendly otherwise it gets a little out of control pretty fast mm-hmm. so uh lowering the gain helps a lot with humbuckers and i suppose it would depend a lot on the guitar uh another guitar that i gig with a lot is a, a gibson 339 uh, I call mm. it my bankruptcy special. Uh, <laughs> when the Memphis factory was going under last year, I snagged it for a great price. Nice. And so yes, it's, so not your bankruptcy. Not my bankruptcy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> they'll be, they'll be, hopefully there won't be any bankruptcy special Henry's out there, but right. you never know. <laughs> Stranger things have happened, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's my, the other guitar that I gig with the most. I, I bring them both out most of the time. That's cool. What color is that? Uh, cherry red. Right. On the Sunface, there's, you know, the volume on the left and then the fuzz on the right. What's mm. that smaller center? Oh, the sundial. Yeah. Uh, what's that do? That is, it's a bias control for one of the transistor stages. And it's sort of, uh, you, could, you could kind of do like that gated fuzz, kind of under bias, choked out sort of sounds where. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's it's cool. It almost sounds like the pedal's dying a little bit. Ah, so you get and like a dead bad effect. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then the other direction kind of smooths it out and almost sounds more like an overdrive when you go in that direction with it. Very cool. So really like straight up the middle. Um, in normal conditions with the germanium transistors, when when the room isn't too hot or too cold they do have an effect on the sound right um straight up the middle is kind of like ideally where you want it mm-hmm. but if it's a little i forget if it's, it's cold if it gets less bias or more but there's a method to it to sort of stabilize it right, and that's right. Cool. wow very very cool excellent man how about number three number three i'm going to be boring it's just an rc booster but i could use that either with my clean sound or after either of the pedals i mentioned Mm-hmm. So if I'm using the Prince of Tone, if I have a good rhythm sound on that, the RC booster, I'll take it over the top for leads. Uh, same with the Sunface. It'll it'll really help that cut through, which, uh, as you mentioned before, can be a problem with some fuzz pedals, but the mids. So in the context of a full band playing, it's kind of easy for your sound to get lost going through that. Mm-hmm. And 
the RC just gives it that extra bit of something to push it through. What does I'm trying to remember what the RC stands for? You know, I'm not sure what it stands for. That's uh, I might Tell, look it Tony, up right now. Do you know uh, regarding like the because uh, the EP is for the Echoplex, right? And the mm-hmm. RC is for what? Uh, radio control. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have one of those cars. <laughs> have another cowboy, Tony. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you happen to know? I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. It's hmm. kind of complex. Though. I mean, you got you got a gain, you got a volume, you got treble and bass, and you can switch from gain one and two. So it's, and, you know, of course, then the bypass is kind of like you're on and off, but. Yeah. And, you know, I don't see anything on their website as to what it stands for, actually. Yeah, they make a heck of a great product, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I keep mine. I keep everything straight up the middle on mine, and the gain will vary. The gain will kind of depend how loud my amp is and which guitar I'm playing. Mm-hmm. So, really, if it only had a gain pedal uh, or a gain knob, I'd be fine with that. I would like a. I would like like a three stage booster, like a booster that gave me like if I clicked it once, kind of almost like uh yeah, you click it once and it's it's set for like flat. You click it again. And it and it helps you out if you got humbuckers. You click it again, and you and you, you get your single coil. Yeah, somebody make that. I need that. That's what nice. I need. That's all I need to be a good guitarist. There's got to be it. something out there like that, <laughs> right? Click me once, shame on you. Click yeah. me twice, shame on me. I mean, as long as there's a suck volume, you can turn down. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, got to be. I mean, there's so many two stage pedals out there. I feel like there's got to be a three stage one. Right. Yeah. Why well, stop at three? Yeah. No, keep no, I, I know. Uh, you know what? That, I need to Johnny Balmer at Alchemy. There's there's another challenge. I just sent him a challenge that was kind of ridiculous, but um, not a challenge. I just said, hey, if you can make this, I'll I'll buy it from you. <laughs> and he, and uh, I I think he was politely reluctant to <laughs> want to do that. But did, anyway, did it have a momentary switch on it? It was based, It was actually. I'll tell you what it was. Do you guys want to hear what it is, real? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Okay. Right after he gives us number four. All right. What's number four? <laughs> number four ties into your last podcast. It's a Strymon Flint. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. That's. Uh, if I know I'm going to play through an amp that has reverb and trim on it already, I might not bring that. But if I don't know what I'm going to be plugging into, it's got to be on my board because it's like a safety net. Mm. It's. The spring reverb's fantastic. The harmonic trim is super cool, um, especially because not many amps have them. And the other trims, and I don't really use the other verbs on it that much just because it's not my style, but uh, all three tremolos are really useful on there. They're very, really, very cool. really good pedals. Yeah, yep, they just sound are. phenomenal. They really sound great. Uh, it was an honor and a privilege talking to those guys, and we learned a whole lot. If you haven't checked out the Strymon episode yet, everybody, go check it out. Awesome. Um, excellent. Nice four on the floor. Thank you, my man. So no what, what was this uh, this mystery pedal that you yeah. talked to Johnny what about? You? Well, okay, so uh, we interviewed Stephen Burnett from across, well, actually, he's across the world in Australia uh, with Honey Tea, and one of his four on the floor was the cockfight from Electroharmonics. I've literally had that in my basket on reverb like four times. And for whatever reason, no, I know the reason why I haven't got it because it only has one foot switch. I'm like, okay, well, I would love to run the fuzz and then hit the hit the wah, the talk wah, right? I want to be able to do that, but with that pedal, you can only either have 
one or two or both at the same time. You can't engage the oh, other that's one. A drag. Yeah. And what's nice about that pedal is that you can also select the wah to be in front or before, or sorry, in front or before, <laughs> while stand at at the same time. <laughs> Upside down, yeah. sideways. Uh, you can do it before or after the fuzz, ah. which which is a completely different sound. Yeah, I could. Uh, or is it the fuzz before or after the wah? Anyways, it swaps which one's in front of the other, and, and it's, it is a radically different sound. So with that, and, the, and I was thinking, I was like, the price is really good on this, and I, and I actually like the way it sounds, and I can imagine it on one specific song, and, it, and I can't do it, because I need to be able to engage that, and, I, and if I'm going to buy that, I want the fuzz to work, too, because it's a great-sounding fuzz, too. So anyways, somebody wants to make that, there you go. There's a market. Just made a pedal. Boom. It's a cool there idea. you go. Very cool. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know what you'd call it. Something naughty, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, well, that was fun. So let's see here. J.P. Henry of Henry Amplification. Right. We have him on the show because he makes some, well, he's, I'm, I'm seeing him a lot uh, on Instagram and stuff. And so I said, hmm, let me check this out. Super good dude to talk to. So we got him on the show. <laughs> Yeah, he agrees too. <laughs> Somebody give that dog a treat. Giacomo agrees with you guys. I knew he'd make a cameo at some point tonight. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we want to find out all about what you're doing out there in New Jersey. Uh, Texas boy in New Jersey making hand-wired amps. Yeah. Where did you get the bug for guitar? For guitar, I definitely got that from my father when I was about 12. And uh, you, you want me to go back that far? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, started playing around that age. Uh, really just started to sort of develop, you know, my own taste in music. You know, I guess everybody sort of does junior high, whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, you know, it was Metallica and Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, all that stuff. And my dad really got me into Clapton, mm. which... Nowadays, I've, I think I'm over it now. Mm. Not over Clapton, but over the stigma of admitting that I am such a huge Clapton fan. Because I was, <laughs> for a while, it was like not cool to be like, you know. Yeah, yeah 90s Clapton wasn't, wasn't right. so, so awesome. <laughs> exactly. That's what it was. The Dorothy Hamill yeah. haircut and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it was when he was all messed up back in the 70s. That's the good stuff. That's the good, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But I think like, you know, it was, you know, he sort of got me into Clapton and, and the Beatles, of course, and mm-hmm. McCartney. Uh, I remember we saw McCartney live back around then, and that was like a real... Oh, wow. Real sort of transformative moment, you know, hearing the whole place sing Hey Jude, you know, that things like that. Just you never forget. So that's definitely what got the ball rolling. What and, was your first uh, guitar? I guess it was my so I have my father's 66 telly. Oh, geez. And I guess that was really the first guitar I ever played, which makes me sound super spoiled. But it was there. And, you know, that and like an Ibanez acoustic that was laying around the house. Hmm. So, um, well, let's stick with the telly. How about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still got the telly? <laughs> I don't know what happened to the evidence, but I still got the telly. What's uh, is that just a natural? Uh, it's like a blonde finish, yeah, yeah, blonde, nice. like pick guard, um, maple cap neck, which at that time they were doing more rosewood fingerboards, yeah. Oh, I was so, say. so to get a 66 maple, maple cap is kind of rare, so 
Wow. Um, yeah, it really needs a refret, but I don't want to have that done. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm just going to keep it. You know, it's it's a fretless wonder, and I'm just going to leave it that way at this point. Wow, that's fun. That's really cool. Is he was a, he was a single owner on that? Yeah, single owner. Nice. Got it. He did have a Strat before that, and I think he traded the Strat for no, the Tele. He's a wise so. man. Um, <laughs> what year was the strat do you remember what he remember do you remember it was older it was like a 63 or 4 oh boy so that oh would have been worth a lot more yep. <laughs> just just do the transition there that, that you're talking like 10 grand more in yep. today's value yeah but um, wow. what can you do you know <laughs> yeah well geez so uh the next progression is usually people abandon guitar or they say i'm gonna make a band with my friends yeah uh, that happened yeah okay <laughs> Well, I, I guess in a way I abandoned the Fender because I got a BC Rich Mockingbird ah. as, my, <laughs> as my second guitar, yeah. when, uh, my, my first official guitar, right? A little, so, little Nick Mars influence yep. there, oh, just totally. a little bit. <laughs> like the, the, the bright red, the, uh, I guess it was transparent red. Yeah. And it was a fancy one. It was like a neck through. Uh, but again, in the early 90s, they weren't really going for much. You know, now right. I think those those old BC Riches actually have some value on the vintage market. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you know, you, I wouldn't say they were giving them away. I mean, I had to work like a whole summer to buy it. But uh, yeah, that was that was my guitar. I didn't want to see the, you know, I wanted nothing to do with old Fenders at that point. Right. So, uh, so I got that. And we well, and everybody was out at that time buying all the all the Les Pauls because the Slash and stuff. Right. That was just getting to be a thing. Like, uh, yeah, Slash brought the Les Paul back and uh, you were starting to see all the Seattle bands kind of playing old fenders and, and things like that yeah so like that market was really like about to boom yeah and, and about to turn into you know what it is now mm -hmm. so it was kind of a cool time to be playing you know different music i was playing like slayer cover songs you know all through <laughs> high school and everything and uh it wasn't really i guess i was about 10 years late on that stuff but uh but it was a lot of fun that's cool <laughs> And I always had the tech bug. Like I learned how to solder when I was like 12, I think. So, oh, man. So that was happening back then. I just, I, I wanted to take everything apart. I, I was yeah. soldering back when I was 12, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was just melting the stuff all over my dad's workbench. Oh, yeah. I, did, I definitely didn't know what I was <laughs> hey, doing. Hey, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't, I, I'd say it probably wasn't until like I had a, I went to school for audio engineering at William Patterson University. Oh, here in Jersey. Wow, okay. And I had a great professor who's still there, this guy, Dave Kersner. And I hope he listens to this because I'm dropping his name. But uh, he kind of got us into, uh, you know, aside from signal flow and, you know, the, the really fundamental thing. That is a of, great band. <laughs> oh, it's not a it's actually a great band name. <laughs> How did nobody come up with that? Right? I don't know. <laughs> But aside from getting us into all that, you know, like, you know, AC signal flow and things like that, um, he kind of was like, you know, if you want to be useful at a studio and you want to hold a job, you got to learn how to solder XLR cables, and mm. quarter inch cables mm. and do all those little things that nobody really wants to do. So he made sure we all knew how to do that. And that was really, really practical. That's um, cool. I worked at a studio for about five years and always hung around the tech and although you know i didn't get too messy with things like he did teach me how to like recap the channel modules from the old focus right board we had and things like that so uh so there was always like that sort of thing going on along with the music for me 
there was like kind of had like one hand in the technical side and another hand in the musical side. I think that's fun. I think that's what a lot of people are responding to these days because it's so much more accessible. Um, it, it, I have likened it to the idea when you have, uh, if you buy a motorcycle, it's like, well, you better dang well know how to repair that motorcycle. Have some wrenches. Yeah. Right. Right. Or else and it's going to cost you a lot. Right. Right. <laughs> and, but that's also an exciting part because it makes you, it just ma- makes the whole experience a little bit more intimate. Like if you take a guitar apart, like, the first time I completely disassembled a guitar after, after, you know, waking up from fainting, what, what have I done? Uh, <laughs> I realized I was like, wow, this is actually, this is real. I can do this. I can put this back together. And for people who have done that all their life, they're like, well, why is that a big deal? Well, if you haven't, it's a little bit of a scary experience because you, you're afraid you're going to ruin it. But mm-hmm. when you put it back together, you, you become just very familiar with every little piece and part. And I think that's actually pretty special. Same thing with building a pedal for the first time or uh, definitely not trying to repair an amp on your own the first time. Okay, <laughs> 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 that's that, that 1,500-volt shock. Right, but, but maybe, oh, maybe replacing your speaker, you know? Uh, that's, sure. that's, that's, that's a fair thing to, to try to, to accomplish. And yeah. I, I think that's what makes uh, this... I don't want to say hobby, but this uh, this type of enthusiastic uh, thing. What what am I trying to say? It's not an enthusiastic thing. I think it's an enthusiastic thing. I think okay, yeah, that's it. An, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, yes. I've Let's got say it on a controllable enthusi- urge. Enthusiastic uh, tomfoolery. How yes. about that? That's a good word. Eh? But well, uh, <laughs> but it, but it's one of the one of the few that you can actually, without too much. Uh, knowledge needing to be obtained and not too much money you know at least at a at an entry level mm-hmm. you can have that experience and you can grow into lots of things and sure. i think that's kind of special about what we're what we're into i agree i mean yeah. little things like fixing the output jack on your guitar i mean yeah i remember doing that you know at that age and feeling like i could uh, rule the world you know it's, exactly you're like wow i don't have to take this and give somebody 50 bucks to do that you know like yeah not that that's a bad thing because there's people you, you feel know, making empowered a little by it a little bit you know totally mm-hmm. i'm not gonna give my money to the man <laughs> <laughs> oh that's cool so you now after you're going through engineering class you're obviously probably faced with a lot of options on what to do with that how did you land on amplifiers well Actually, that came a lot later. So I really wanted to be like a recording engineer. And um, at the time, I was sort of like starting in that field when you could actually do it and make a living doing it. And about five years later, the studios were all closing up. You know, all the big studios in New York City, I shouldn't say all of them, but most of them closed or were bought privately. Um, You know, it's I was like 25 and could barely afford to, you know, live on my own at that point. So it was, uh, that was sort of the reality of, uh, <laughs> and this is, you know, I worked at a great studio where our clients were like dream theater, anthrax, uh, oh. got to, got to meet Keith Richards and Eric Clapton on Jeez. a blues album that they guested on. Yeah. It's like, so I really felt like I stepped into this fantastic situation. And then five years later, it was like, wow, this just does not pay the bills. Mm. So, and I think that was like a harsh reality of that entire industry for a lot of people at that time. So we're talking 2005. Yes. 
iPods. That was a you rough know? time for the recording industry. Yeah, it's not so great now. Either. Well, no, it hasn't gotten much better, right? <laughs> but that was really when it all crashed. It, it kind of, uh, I got in it, I guess, late 90s. And at that point in time, all of our projects were still being done to two-inch analog tape. Um, you know, Pro Tools, we had it, but it wasn't, it wasn't what it became yet. And I'd say about two, three years later, everything was being done on Pro Tools. And then about two years after that, everybody had Pro Tools at home. Yep. And we're doing it then. So, you know, I put together a small garage studio to work with local bands and, and you know, try to do some of that. But to sustain that long term, I mean, I, I'm sure some guys were able to turn that into something bigger, but it just became too much of a struggle, you know, after a few years. You know, it's it's weird because I I mean, I've been around uh, I've been I've written songs and played guitar for many, many years and and the whole idea of recording in my home, recording me, myself, as a guitar player, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, I can probably do that. Recording it is one thing. Mastering it is another. Mixing it is another. It's like the, the idea of you can, you can do all of that is, it's there and it's attainable, but man, you actually re need, you need a lot more skills than just the equipment. And I think Absolutely. that's where a lot of people fall down big time. Absolutely. And it's like everybody could kind of hang their shingle and say, Hey, I have a recording studio and it's like, yeah, but do you have the experience of doing those things? You know, like I never had any mastering experience, but people would want me to, you know, kind of faux master the, their, their album, you know, after I mixed it. And I never felt good doing that. I always tried to convince them to go to a real mastering engineer Right. But some people are like, well, you know, you just make it louder. You know, that, that's all they do. I'm like, no, it's totally not all they do. You know, it's uh, you're, you're paying for a lot more than that. But well, let's let's touch on that really quick. We, we don't get into recording much and I and I'm not going to go down a, you know, the, the rabbit hole of like, let's learn all about recording 101, <laughs> like maybe on another episode. But mm -hmm. if you can give us uh, so, you know, you've got recording, you got the mixing. You got the mastering, mm -hmm. right? Uh, at least, and that's that's just to get to the point where you can actually go get this made, right? So can you give us just a quick uh, elevator rundown for what each of those stages are? Because I think people really don't know. Uh, sure. Well, you know, the recording stage, and depending on the type of band you are, could it be like could be recorded as live with everyone playing together in a room or you know isolated with headphones or you could sort of like uh used to call it building the house you know you you lay the foundation drums and bass or whatever right overdub on top of that you know guitars uh, yeah for us it was pretty much all guitars but some you know could have keyboards there or, or whatever mm -hmm. and then usually vocals would kind of come last or sit on top of everything else uh I guess if it's an instrumental project, you know, you yeah. have some leads. I mean, it's kind of a things. standard rock scenario. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, then the mixing stage is when you take all those tracks and you blend them together and try to make it sound like a, like a live performance. Mm -hmm. Or if it was a live performance, then you, you still try to sort of fit everything into its little frequency range. Um, and that's, you know, and so you record and then you send the band home and then you mix. 
Yeah, mix. Um, sometimes the artists really want to be there for the mixing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, a, as a mix engineer at the time, I don't know if I still am, but <laughs> I guess once you do something enough, you always wear the hat, right? Mm-hmm. So as a mix engineer, uh, you know, I preferred to work alone and then get notes from the artist afterwards. Right. You know, so here, give this a listen. Let me know what you think. Right. And, uh, you know, they, they might say 90% of it's great, but here's a few little changes. And then you go back and make the changes and everyone's happy. So for reference, any, anybody that's seen like when they do retrospectives on albums or like when VH1 was doing that behind the music, uh, sometimes you can still find those. Actually, I think they exist on, on YouTube. Uh, you, can, yeah. you can see those old ones. That was a great show. They were great, uh, yeah. When you great. see the guy at the big board and he's like, okay, so now I'm going to bring in so-and-so on drums and like, oh, and here's the this. And so that's when they're doing the mixing and, and leveling everything out to make it sound oh, sure. uh, rounded mm-hmm. out and complete. Yeah, and those shows, I guess they're kind of like deconstructing it, right? Right. And those shows to give you like little bits and pieces. But yeah, all those all those elements are basically blended together across mm-hmm. the spectrum. Right. Um, you know, between the left and right panning and the frequency range and everything to sort of like create like this final you know, final, um, piece of art. Right. Mm. And then you got the mastering and then mastering. Yep. And mastering originally was, it was there to make sure that your mix wouldn't, or think of the right way to phrase this back when they used to cut vinyl on like a lathe, different frequencies, especially bass frequencies could actually like, um, uh, they weren't able to transfer it to the vinyl. Like it would cause a, a problem in the actual disc itself. Tony's so, making lots of gestures about the like grooves. The, the grooves go too deep. As, as big exactly, as a exactly. needle. <laughs> exactly. The grooves so, too deep. <laughs> so so ma- mastering was originally, uh, at least the way it was taught to me, it was originally created to sort of um, prevent that from happening, to make sure that your final product was going to transfer properly to vinyl so that people could listen to it and not have any issues with the, you know, the, uh, the needle skipping or anything like that mm-hmm. from too much bass. But modern mastering, we, we, you know, I guess digital mastering, so you're not talking necessarily about transferring it to vinyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just loud. People just want it loud. Yeah. Loud with, well, I mean, ideally loud with as little distortion as possible. And not the, not the kind of distortion that, you know, you want from a pedal or an amp, but like a, sort of like a frequency distortion mm-hmm. that isn't always obvious, but on like a really good sound system might show itself. And uh, so mastering is really to prevent that. It's, it's like, you know, get as much volume as possible. Um, and this, you know, there's this whole thing about the loudness wars that really mm-hmm. started, um, I guess, in like the early 2000s. And uh, everybody wanted their album to be louder than the album that came out the week before it. And some mastering engineers could do that, and they got a lot of money for doing that. And I swear I can't listen to those albums. Like, they hurt. Yeah. Like, there's a fatigue from listening to stuff from that era that I just... I'm so glad that's over and done with. Like, that's probably the best thing. A lot of the music was... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That too. too. (laughs) Yeah, there was that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good. Well, yeah. hey, that's that's. I really appreciate you going through that, especially as not a layman, but as a as a a professional <laughs> recording engineer. That's no uh, 
that that's it's very helpful. To talk about it actually. Yeah, <laughs> it so, takes me back. So now mm-hmm. you're uh, you're 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 gone from the uh, from the the booth, and now mm-hmm. what? Well, I would say that um, being a guitarist, recording guitar was always my favorite part of being in the studio. And it sort of helped me to realize what amps worked better than others in those environments. And what, you know, sometimes, you know, you plug in something sounds great in the store, but you stick a microphone in front of it and it's not translating or, or the opposite or, uh, or it sounds great in the studio, mic'd up close, but when you're playing through it live, it might not really work. Uh, so I did a lot of trial and error with, different guitarists that I was recording and with with myself as well. And I think that that really translated into what I'm doing now Um, with these amps. Like I'll get into how I started doing amps, but I think learning how to make, um, learning how to reach that result Mm. with the components inside the amp was like, mind-blowing for me the first time i started to get my head wrapped around it so seeing like what i could do inside an amp to manipulate things to give me those results and then seeing why some amps work and some amps don't in that situation can you talk about that just a little bit you don't have to go into like mega depth about it um but just i guess when you say why some amps work in the studio and why they don't what what would some scenarios be I would say the biggest one is that the majority of amplifiers um, are pushing way too much low end information, like low frequency information. That's just unnecessary in a guitar. It's, uh, I mean, it's like real subharmonic stuff that's making the entire amp. If you think of the amp like an instrument in and of itself, you're making the amp work a lot harder to push that. Right. And if you sort of trim it at certain places along the line, you get a much more usable range of output from it. Mm -hmm. And then Um, back in, when you get into the mix and the mastering, that's where you're going to get that, um, that desired fullness from that signal. Because like when you're in, when you're playing in your home and you're just in the upper mids and troubles, it just doesn't sound, (laughs) it's not awesome (laughs) sounding. You want that bottom end, you know, but that's yeah. only if you're by yourself and you don't have a bass and you don't have all the other stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. We used to get, you know, people would come into the studio and I'm talking professional musicians. I mean, kids as well, but also the pros. And they'd come in with, you know, these, you know, like uh, dual rectifier, you know, half stacks and they'd crank <laughs> them up. And the amount of like when you're standing in front of it and you're getting all this low frequency energy, it feels great. You know, you feel like you're shaking the entire, well, you are shaking the entire house. Yeah, at that it feels point, like right? rock and roll. Yeah. And that's rock and roll. So yeah. I mean, I don't mean to single out Mesa boogie, but like, you know, a Marshall half stack, same difference, right? Sure. Like you're getting that same thing, but you don't need it. And you know, you're miking it up and then you're filtering out like everything below 120 Hertz. And which is just at that point, that's rumble. That's mud. Uh-huh. Like there is, on like a, a heavy distorted guitar, there's not much music happening that low, but yet the amp is like working so hard to put that out that if you could like um, sort of like trim the fat earlier in the process, I've found the results to just be a lot, uh, a lot more pleasing to my ears as both a player and somebody listening with uh, some recording experience. 
I think that's kind of like the same thing when people are, if, if, uh, when we're talking about guitar signal and stuff and we're talking about, you know, making sure, you know, we got the, the mid range present, mid range present. Um, it's the whole fuzz pedal or, or maybe even more classically like a, a muff pie problem. <laughs> uh, if you like, you play that in your home, you're like, yes, this sounds amazing. <laughs> And then you go plug in with your band and all you do is you start turning your amp up because you're like, I can't hear it. Right. And yeah. it's, it's not because it's not loud enough. It's because that signal is getting kind of canceled out. Yeah. You're not cutting through at all. Like right. Nothing, nothing is cutting through. And then especially when you, when you have a drummer and a bassist, you know, they need that low frequency range to do their thing. Right when you've got a guitar amp that's filling it up to begin with, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, um, it's just a mess at that point, you know? Yeah. So Too we used true. to, yeah, we used to, you know, it was tough in the studio to convince some people that like, no, you, you gotta back the bass down on your amp, man. It's just not, you know, <laughs> it's not necessary, but, uh, you know, like I said, it's rock and roll. Some people just want to feel that, you know, or they spend a lot of money on something and they, they want to use it anyway. So, you know, you kind of have to deal with the egos a little bit. Sure. Sure. You know? Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, now let's get to the precipice of you building amps. Mm -hmm. So that just started out, uh, the original one I did, I, I sort of had a fear, although I was always playing around with electronics, I had a fear of high voltage. I had given myself a little bit of a shock when I was younger and, uh, you know, I kind of stayed away from that. I dealt with a lot of like, you know, I, I built pedals for a little while just for my friends, you know, nothing, uh, nothing crazy, but, uh, always had this idea of like really wanting to build an amp. It just seemed like, uh, it's a big, it's like, it's like the biggest electronic challenge you can do as a guitar player. I mean, exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I just had that idea of like, I've owned some great amps, you know, I want to build one someday. And I was doing a blog for a little while, just, just for fun. And, uh, uh, did my girlfriend give me the idea or did I kind of come up with it? I don't I know. I think we, you came up with it. <laughs> well, she listens to this. She might add something. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to build an app. I had, I got the Dave Hunter, I believe it's called the guitar app amp handbook and he had a chapter in there about building an amp and he sort of give you the step-by-step -step things so i got the parts started messing with it and uh i was really really afraid to turn it on for the first time <laughs> so much so that i actually took it to a local amp tech a great guy named jamie simpson at uh booyah amplifier services another new jersey guy uh, he builds great amps. He does a lot of Hammond organ work, really, really cool stuff. But I brought it to him because I was bringing my amps to him before that. And I said, hey, I kind of built this thing. I'm really afraid to turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so he, he checked it out, changed a couple things, taught me a couple things, and then fired it up and, and it worked. And I was like, wow. That's so like, cool. You know, we it, laugh, but uh, for everybody out there, if if you guys get those amp kits from you know, wherever that sell them, you guys have to be extremely careful. I mean, that's a lot of voltage you're messing with. Oh yeah. I mean, once you sort of, uh, once you learn what it can do to you, like the, it definitely changes your perspective on it 
Well, yeah. uh, going back to when I was saying, you know, being a teenager and ripping things open and playing around with them, I opened my old, I had a Marshall 800 head, the old JCM 800. Yeah. And just for fun, I decided I was going to open this thing up on, on my, my dad's old workbench. And I just wanted to see it. I didn't want to mess with it. You know, I didn't have the soldering iron hooked up or anything. But thinking back to that, I could have absolutely, that thing could have been holding three, oh 400 God. volts. But yeah, just power off. You know, <laughs> yeah, just just grab onto those little blue right. cylinders on the bottom there. <laughs> every time, yeah. every time somebody tells me something like that, I go back to I had a I had a Marshall combo, an eighty eighty one twenty, I think it was called, and uh, I decided it was it was it wasn't acting really nice, and so I said, well, I clearly just need to clean the inside of it. Right. So I took it apart, and I'm and and I mean, <laughs> I've. I'm just glad nothing happened. He lived to tell. I, I did yeah. live to tell, and I didn't get shocked. I'm like, really? I didn't because nobody told me. You know, there's 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 not a book out there that says, "Hey, don't touch your amp." <laughs> well, there's at plenty. Least, now. At least on the cover, it doesn't say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they all have a page that says that. Yeah. <laughs> right. If it's at the end of the book, I guess by then it doesn't matter. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, okay. So now you built your first amp. Yeah. That was a big raging success, and then oh what? yeah, I still gig with it. I still gig with that amp at least once a month. Um, oh, that's good. Is that the one with the uh, the flag on it? No, that <laughs> that's a funny story. But no, uh, the first one I did is just like a little tweed combo. Uh, it's just like a little 10 inch kind of like a 50s Princeton style combo. Mm-hmm. Volume and tone control. That's it. Um, and then a, a couple friends heard it at gigs and said, hey, you know, could you build me one? And I said, sure, uh, just pay me for the parts. You know, I wasn't at that point. I had no idea that it was ever going to become what it is now. So uh, I'm building these one off amps for my friends. And every time I did one, I sort of learned a little more and a little more. And then I had a Princeton reverb reissue that I hadn't really been playing much. And I said, you know what? I'm going to open this thing up and basically gut it and rebuild it to like 1965 specs because the the reissues are not 65 spec. I don't right. care what they say. Right. You know, I don't care what number they put on them. They sound good. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> they make them a little different now. So, uh, yeah, so I gutted it and, uh, it probably took me about a month to do that, you know, just in my spare time. But, uh, that was, that was a big one. Cause that was like learning about reverb, tremolo, uh, things that I hadn't dealt with yet. Mm-hmm. Really, really fun. So then I just started rebuilding anything I get my hands on. I got like a 68 bandmaster head from someone that wasn't working, uh, fixed that up, turned it around, you know, just really started getting into that aspect of it. And, uh, then it was like, I kind of started to build some things that were a little more unique and got away from the, you know, the, the clones and the kits and the mm-hmm. copies and started like experimenting with circuits to say like, okay, Fender was doing this in the fifties. You know, where could we take it from here? You know, where we, where could we improve on some things? Um, I know that's like sacrilege to say to some people. Because they don't think those amps can be made better, but I mean, anybody that made amps after that basically did that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what Marshall did. Yeah, that's Marshall took the Fender Basement. Yeah. Um, Is there anything that sticks out that would be obvious that that you had in mind that you wanted to change from those circuits? I just wasn't. There were there were some aspects of like the Tweed circuits 
there was like a decay to the note that a lot of them have that like I didn't like. And I wanted to, I was like, what's causing that? And how could I smooth that out? How could I make that better? Hmm. So that was something I, I went for right away. And then it was, um, you know, like the Fender, like the reverb that they use, you know, it sounds great, but it takes up a lot of real estate in the amp. It uses one and a half tubes. I said, well, you know, could we, could we accomplish the same result with one tube? You know, mm -hmm. could we trim it down a little bit, make it less of a, I just, I really didn't want to build anything with reverb for like the first year I was doing this yeah. because it was a pain. It was like, <laughs> it was, it was annoying. It was cost more money. And they make good great. reverb. Pedals. I was just going to yeah. say that. Yeah. yeah. They, they, and when they you bump killer. the amp, when you bump the amp, it doesn't sound like lightning. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, it's funny. I, uh, I just built an amp for someone with reverb and I played a gig with, it was a good friend of mine who I play with a lot. Mm. And, uh, he just tried to move it back a few inches at the gig and that the lightning and thunder came out of it. Yep. <laughs> we, we had a good laugh because neither of us had heard that in a long time. Oh, <laughs> so that was fun. It was like, whoa, I forgot they do that. <laughs> I know. It scares the crap out of you at first. You're like, what oh, is yeah. that? What is it? Whoa. Yep. <laughs> then you reach for the volume and you're like, no, you actually have to turn the reverb down. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's still coming out <laughs> yes. of the head. Still pouring through loud and clear. <laughs> it's like my first instinct didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's but that's crazy. actually that's a good story and that uh that's a great way to to get to where I'm at now in the company because a good friend of mine a, a guitarist named Matt Knapp who uh, uh bought one of my first amps I think he has like number 3 that I ever built mm. and then uh came up to me a couple months ago and said hey uh you know I heard this really cool Vox amp on the Doug and Pat show are you guys familiar with that their like YouTube podcast. Or... Yeah, my my pickups are actually on one of their episodes. Oh, cool! I'm gonna have to look for that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so there's they do this episode with a Vox AC10 SRT, mm. which was like we're gonna do a whole a whole history lesson on it in in one of our demos. But uh, this amp was like briefly made by Vox in like 1965, totally different than anything else in their lineup at the time. Uh, Used EL84s, but other than that, it bared no resemblance to any other Vox amp. And it just sounds great. It's like this really cool hybrid of like American and British sounds. Mm -hmm. So my friends, you know, he, he sent me the video. He said, you know, do you think you could build me one? Because I can't find one for sale anywhere. And I said, well, you know, I'll try. So I, I dug up a schematic. It took me a long time just to find what I think is an accurate schematic. And then had to redraw it, and the reverb circuit they used in the original is considered like terrible by anyone who's tried one. I mean, I think Vox used that reverb in a lot of their early amps, and it, it's not great. Mm. So it was like, well, you know, let's try to do this with an improved reverb and see if we can keep like the fundamental sound of the amp intact with a better reverb, like a Fender style reverb. So I spent like about a month on that forum and uh just delivered it to him last week and uh, he's thrilled with it and i'm really thrilled with it too so it's going to become i think it's going to become like sort of our flagship model moving really? forward oh, that's um, cool that's awesome it's, it, it's not on the website yet um i'm actually staring at number two because matt has number one because he owns it but uh number two is in front of me like 90 percent built right now 
And uh, we actually, uh, I emailed the Doug and Pat show to see if they'd be interested in comparing it to the originals. Mm-hmm. So we're going to send it out to them to check out. That's so, cool. Uh, that could be really fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, unless when, they when think you, it sucks. When you uh, get that, uh, when that happens, make sure you, uh, if you wouldn't mind sending it, uh, just a link to it on our, uh, to us and we can get it out there for oh, sure. uh, the audience mm-hmm. to check out. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Del- I'll definitely do that. So flagship uh, model. Well, I hope so. Um, it, it seems that a lot of people, when that, when, uh, looking at the comments and things on the Doug and Pat show page, uh, a lot of people seemed like they'd be interested in an amp like that. And there's really nothing like it out there that I know of. And so you I said, th- is it two? It's two tens, right? The original, the original was two tens. It was a head and a two by ten cab. Mm-hmm. The one I built for my friend is a one by twelve. Because that's what Doug and Pat demoed theirs through. And that oh. was, he preferred the way that sounded. Interesting. So we did a 1x12 for him. We used a Weber Silver Bell speaker, which a uh, really favorite speaker of mine, the Alnico Silver Bell is really nice. Um, and the 2x10, we're going to do with, uh, we're going to mismatch them. We're going to do a Blue Dog 10 inch and a Silver Bell 10 inch, both ah, from Weber as well. Interesting. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool. It's tough to tell what, Vox was going for originally with it because uh, after going through the schematic and kind of comparing it around, it's really similar to an Ampeg jet combo from the early 60s. Hmm. So it kind of made me wonder if they were trying to do something more American and maybe it didn't. Maybe it kind of flopped for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because you can't find them anywhere. They're super rare and they don't really. The, the fact that they're called Voxes is almost like uh deceiving because they really don't sound anything like an ac30 or an ac15 so specifically outside of the speaker can you can you kind of help us understand what why this might sound different enough to like really want um aside from the speaker compared to what compared to just the other things that are out there right now well yeah i mean if if it's this amp that um you know this elusive amp that the first time you guys heard it we're like whoa yeah. We got to make this. What was it? Uh, what was the woe? I would say it was it was really uh, like that combination of tones from like what you're used to from an American amp and what you're used to from a British amp. And then they sort of like meet somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic, I guess. That's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's got aspects of both. Like it's like an American front end with this like EL84 British output to it. Mm. And I guess... The speakers would have the original ones would have been Celestians made for Vox. So, you know, I guess that sort of ties into the uh, the British output side of things. That's cool. And, and then the reverb we put in it is really completely different because I didn't want to copy the Vox reverb because nobody liked it anyway. And I didn't want to do a 100 percent true Fender reverb, but it's definitely that style. Uh, but we went with like. A, a three spring tank uh, with a shorter decay to it. So it doesn't have that. It can get a little surfy, but it's really more of a musical reverb, you know, rather than uh, rather than like, oh, just crank it up and let me show off with this crazy effect kind of thing. You right. know, it's like there's actual range in it and you could find multiple sweet spots because I feel like with a lot of the old fenders, it's like, yeah, they sound great on two. Mm-hmm. And then if you're going to play, you know, spring surf music, then they sound great on, you know, seven or eight. But right. there's not much in between that, that people really dig that much. I, I think that's probably one of the genesis for actual reverb pedals. Like it's at some point you're just going like, hey, we need something different here. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, something a little more useful uh, yeah. across the More spectrum. controllable. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, your style of amp, uh, for those who are not familiar with, you know, the particular way that you've designed amps, how can you give us a little bit of color on, on what you're doing that sort of makes it very Henry? Well, I would say um, some of those things that I go for in it, like we were talking about before, uh, like smoothing out some of the aspects that tweed amps have, mm-hmm. you know, that was really like one of the first things I got into was let's make a tweed more useful. You know, let's make a tweed that could do really nice clean tones and then blend into an, a natural overdrive without being harsh. Mm. Um, and that was that was big. That uh, that led to the 20 T so and you, the 40 you're taming models. the treble a little bit. Yeah, definitely smoothing it out a little bit. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like some of those, and a lot of that had to do with the speakers used back in the 50s. You know, there's people that love those old Jensen's, and then mm-hmm. there's people that can't wait to get rid of them. Right. So uh, <laughs> I could see why people love them, but I like something that holds up a little more, something a little firmer. Right. Um, and then you, I, one thing that I noticed about yours, uh, you're, you're taking some fun liberties with the actual aesthetics of it as well. I was oh, yeah. going to ask about that too. Like what, um, what inspired you to use, you know, like the tooled leather, leather and the wood panel and burning the, you know, the volume tone, what have you right into, I mean, I think that's great. Thanks man. I appreciate that. And also, could I get a pair of matching cowboy boots? <laughs> <laughs> tweed, tweed cowboy boots. I don't know how comfy. With, with no the promise this is how comfy they'd be. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want volume controls on them yeah. too, or yeah. yeah, why not? Burn them, burn them in. I don't see really anything like it. I think it looks awesome. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, it was again looking for something different. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, my the first few amps I built were just tweed covered. I said, "There's a million of these out there. I need to do something a little different." Uh, I was kind of trying out some different things. I tried like a a black western tolex and it was cool but the brown looks way better in my opinion Mm. uh the brown kind of shows the texture better Mm -hmm. the black from the distance the black just looks like a black you know tolex amp right but the brown even from the like i'm looking at one from across the room right now and you can still see the detail in it that's cool and and when we combine that with the, the wicker grill some well not all of them have wicker but uh the ones that do i think that combination really just really looks cool um now if you do buy one of uh one of jp's amps with the with the the leather tooling on it right then you got to go to tone snob and get a leather tooled uh pedal board with matching tooled leather case Oh, cool! That I gotta check be, this out. That would be awesome. You gotta get a leather, <laughs> just a full set, like leather, you, leather you tool own the place. Yeah. I might have to reach out and do a little. Oh yeah, uh, see if we could do a package deal or something. Oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah, that could be fun. Leather well, you know, tools, boots. I did a uh, just for, for a friend of mine. I put a tooled leather pick guard on his telly. You know, just I, I, I kind of just um, I was doing some work on his telly. It needed a new pick guard, and I mm-hmm. said, "Well, I'm gonna surprise him." He was a good friend, so I said, "Well, I'll throw this on as a gift and see if he likes it." And that kind of gave me the idea with the amps because it looked really cool. And um, I love I wear like Paisley shirts all the time, uh-huh. but I didn't want to go for like a crazy loud Paisley Tolex on the amp. Like uh, I've seen some guys do it, but I, I didn't really I thought that would be a little too niche. 
and I thought the the brown might be like something that like the old school guys could get into the mm-hmm. uh, the Austin crowd, the Nashville crowd, right? Well, as you know, um, kind of a modern thing, you know. Well, so. you're gonna need to do a tracksuit one because you're in New Jersey <laughs> now, so. <laughs> we'll do the we'll do the soprano version. <laughs> uh, that would be amazing I love if it. you do. <laughs> and now I'm think, I'm picturing it. Yeah, right. Cracking me up. Uh, boy, That's fantastic. We'll um, put a little we'll put a little stallion on it too. A little yeah, horse. right. Yeah, <laughs> or just the horse. Yeah, right. Head. Be wicked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh boy, don't hate me, everybody. <laughs> From I, we we love you guys out there. It's okay to hate him. <laughs> He Tony said that, not me. Don't come well, to my name, house. His name's Tony. He's gonna fit in good around yeah. here anyway. So yeah. you got a problem with that? Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, I, I'm really excited that we got to hear your story and 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 you know talk about a lot of the stuff around your you know this. Obviously, you make amps, but you know getting to talk about all the all the things around it as well. Um, just out of curiosity, like what. If if someone is trying to buy an amp from you, is it, are they made to order? Do you are you stocking? What what does how does that work? So I try to keep one each of my uh, like the models on my website. I try to keep one or two each of them around just to have on hand for people that might want to demo them or, or order one. Um, other than that, I pretty much build to order. Um, I try to keep enough parts inventory that I could put one together like within a week for someone if they want. Right. Um, unless it's like a real custom request, which I'd say like my business is about 50, 50 between the stock models on the site. And then just people that say, Hey, I want an amp with fender cleans and you know, like a switchable distortion or something. And I'm, you know, I'll figure something out. And that's rad. Do that. And I, I really love doing that. It's uh, it can be time consuming with sort of the, the R and D that goes into it, mm-hmm. but it's really fun. And, and, then if somebody wants another one, you know, or somebody says, Hey, I heard that amp, you know, it's, it's always easier to do the second time around. Excellent. So Excellent. that's actually uh, getting back to the, the control panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I got into doing that because I needed something that was customizable. Ah. And cause I could order, you know, I could order, you know, stock ones by the dozen, mm-hmm. but then people would say, Oh, well, instead of tremolo, could I have, you know, full EQ and sure. Why not? But I need to, I need to have like a, a template that I could change for that. Sure. Um, instead of keeping, you know, then I'd have to keep a dozen of everything possible on hand, and that's not fun. That that's yeah. expensive. Yeah, and and it, it's not uh, as unique. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. And just for the record, I want everybody to know that uh, when we did contact JP, the first thing he said was, "Cool, I'll send you an amp." <laughs> and and I'm like legit. That's that's. That's huge of you to say that, considering <laughs> that you don't have a stock of them, and that you know amps are tricky things to ship. So, uh, partially because I didn't want to have anything happen to one of those amps, and also the postage for both of us would, would <laughs> I might as well just buy the dang thing, just, just get a <laughs> which, bus ticket to wait Jersey. A minute, that was what he was trying to get me to do. Oh, you slickster. <laughs> Um, oh. <laughs> uh, but that was a very generous offer and uh, so uh, you know we we didn't get to try one out hopefully someday we will but um, I just wanted to share that so that people weren't thinking that you know like you, you were withholding amp you know <laughs> amp experience for us uh, yeah we we just decided to say hey we'll we'll talk about it and, and get everybody else pumped up on it so anyways cool. 
That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, we are going to dive into... Would you rather... All right. The human okay. Leslie speaker. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, so... My buddy Zach sold a guitar of his, so in remembrance of that really cool guitar he had, this week's Would You Rather is dedicated to his situation. Mm. And I will <clears throat> then tell you what the Would You Rather is. So, yes, let's, let's. Would You Rather? Mm-hmm. A, would You Rather? It's very simple. Would You Rather have, and it's going to sound similar until I explain things. Do you have a 1958 Gibson Les Paul Jr.? Uh-huh. Or would you rather have a 1962 Gibson Les Paul Jr.? Yep. Now, You're... it sounds similar, right? <laughs> okay. When you look at pictures of these... You've got yeah. some splaining to do. Very different guitars. Yes. Very different. That's so true. So the 1958, you're going to have more of the single-cut look. And some of them, I think, were Double-cuts. double-cut, but they did not have that... In 62, they were the SG type yes. looking. So very much a different guitar. Uh, also, the neck profiles were very different. Oh, right. Yeah, and, uh, totally. Yeah, it, 60s like, are like Totally different. Yep. The 60s were uh, a wide, very thin. And then uh, the 50s were like a... Baseball eh, bat. Baseball bat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very Fair. round and... Supple. Clubby. Clubby. Yes. So, yeah, you know. I, what are the colors? Well, in the fifth, in 58, I think you could get like a. I know for this, would you rather? What oh, are the, what of are course. We've got to have colors, right? Yeah. So, probably a red. Well, actually, let's do a Sunburst 58. And then, uh, they didn't have Sunburst back then? You picked a color for the 58. <laughs> TV yellow. TV. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What am nice. I thinking? So TV yellow uh, and the 62, it, of course, is going to be a cherry finish because that's pretty much what they came with. The juniors did. Almost all of them, yeah. Almost, unless you had a custom color, but, you know, usually you didn't want a custom color in that lower standard model. So so that's, that's a would you rather. Okay, TV yellow, and what color is the is the earlier the, one? No, the the later one's going to be fifty eight's going to be a cherry a TV yellow, right? The, and that's the that's the double cut that we sort of know and love today. Yeah, the, like the, ours, like ours, like yep. like yeah. the one that Jared and I have, the one that uh, that you see, like uh, um, Johnny Thunderstyle. Yeah, that's, right. that's okay. It's got a flat top. Flat you know, top doesn't yeah. have the arch top. So and then and that one Jesus would have been a a, a wrap around. Yep. Right. Yeah. Of a wrap around single. Tail yep. Stop. One single P ninety. Yep. Yep. Mm, yeah. And the sixty two is the same way. Yes. Except it looks like a. It's pointier. It looks yeah. a little bit looks more a little like devilish. Zach's was actually sixty one. There's really hardly a difference. And his it, the wrap around bridge on the sixty uh, two will be slightly cantered. Mm. Really? Yeah. All right. Cantered. Yes. Yeah. yeah that, that's a word. I know. You don't know if it's the right word. <laughs> no, I know what he means. I know it's yeah. a word. It's offset. You're saying the, the earlier ones were not? No, 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 no. The later ones were not. They, were, they had the, the lightning bolt bridges. That's right. Okay. The later ones had the lightning bolt. Slightly okay. later. Like so staggered. 
Uh, yeah. Just kind of. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the saddle parts. Well, what the we call the lightning bolt are like the raised portions. Yeah, of, that's what I'm saying. Those are the, yeah, yeah, the saddle parts. And on what they, they were able the to do was, was mount Tony, the tailpiece. you can call them the raised portions, but the rest of the world will call them <laughs> the saddles. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're not really. Not okay, anyways, Technically let's not move a on. saddle. No, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we, we're clear. What color is the is the fifty eight uh, is yellow? TV yellow. TV yellow. Johnny what? Thunder's style, yes. or you're so focused on the colors. And sixty two is cherry. Cherry red. Right, and that's more with the little half we're mustache. The SG. All yep. right. Okay. Little, little half SG, mustache SG. guard. It's just a a, a more slender ish one. The, <gasps> the SG is going to be way lighter too. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. 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 All right, Tony. What are you doing? Fifty-eight all the way. Mm-hmm. That's that's like my one of my all-time favorite guitars. I love, you know, the 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 thinness and the lightness of an SG is nice, but there's just something more substantial about. No, he, Todd is getting that sick sick feeling in the back yeah, of his throat. I'm throwing up in my He's, mouth yes. a little bit. Nah, but uh, but I but I do have to say they they I, whoever designed that little half mustache guard on the SG Juniors. Which I guess this is still a less Paul, but that yeah. is a, yeah, that is a nice. I one. think it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but you know, so then you, you've got TV yellow with a nice solid tortoise guard on a mm. on a fifty eight. Yeah. Mm. yeah, delicioso. Yeah. I'll be right over. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, JP, what are you doing? I'm going fifty eight um, for a lot of reasons, but I think the neck would be number one on those. Mm. I really like that neck. Wow. Okay. Solid, J Rod. I'm gonna go with the 62. Yeah, because you like SGs. I like well the neck too. Mm-hmm. I like a thin but wide, which is really know, weird. 60s you have profile. Bear paws for hands. <laughs> Actually, bear claws. Yeah, I, I, I got fat sausage fingers too. Yeah, well they're just big, but when you have a thin neck, <laughs> yeah. it's just like I don't I don't no, get it. The bear necessity. Been playing, wild. Bear can been playing for 30 years. Yeah, so. I guess that's what you're. I love it, man. All I, right. I love that feeling. I'm doing 58 all Nobody asked you. Way. I don't. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I had to get one that wasn't a 58 because I liked it so much. Yeah. So, yeah, Zach sold his uh, 61 um, Gibson Les Paul Jr. SG style to um, a, a pretty cool dude. And then he's out to get a 58. I, hmm. I think that's what he really wants. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, which I probably am. I often am. That those early quote unquote SGs, the ones that we're talking about, the juniors, right? Yeah. Those were did those come in a was it a lot of times you'll see them now and they're they're almost teal looking. Like you uh, can get that, a custom be, color. That would be later. That's Pelham Blue. That's Pelham yeah. Blue. Pelham, yeah. Well, but yeah. I mean the discolored ones, because I know they re-released in Pelham. Were they Pelham back then? Not until the uh mid sixties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've seen a couple that are that kind of have it look like a discolored poem. Yeah, they they turn well, yeah, green. Yeah, the lacquer turns yellow, yeah. which makes the blue green. But that but that Beautiful was in a later year. But because they were still that'd be like sixty five, sixty six. Not yeah. not to the full SG stage yet. No, that's full SG. Is it? So here here's the here's the story. So uh, by the late fifties, right? Uh, Les Paul either became unhappy with the program that uh that Gibson had with them uh and and then they 
without consulting him, Gibson rolled out this new body style, the SG, what we call the SG style right. today. Solid but, guitar. But that was... The, that was the new Les That new was Les the Paul new style. Les Paul. And right, the first yeah. couple of years, they were technically Les Paul yeah, models. Les Paul on the, the truck, uh, truck yeah, covers. Right. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then I think... Uh, you know, through I don't know I don't know if there was any legal action or whatever, but Les Paul decided well, he, he didn't, didn't like them. He didn't like them. He said they 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 were too sharp and they he didn't like the way they played. Yeah, but me neither. Me neither. <laughs> they, You're just like Les Paul. <laughs> just like him. They still make them today and they still sell them. Yeah. Yeah. Do. So that's so that's kind of the beyond the first one or two years of the SG body shape. Uh, they were then referred to as SGs. So the, the the year that we're talking about before they became sixty two would still be called a Les Paul. Yeah. Okay. And that went from years. Uh, that was sixty one and sixty two, probably. Yeah. And and they only ever made them in cherry red. Oh, uh, uh, white. They made white. the custom in white. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you see some pictures of Les Paul with playing a three pickup. Yep. SG. Yeah, that was a custom color. Okay, gotcha. All right, always learn something new here on the show. Oh man, so many awesome things. Uh, let's see here, uh, Tony. Yeah. Why don't we thank a couple of you real quick? <sighs> yeah, you know, at this time of the show, uh, we like to spend a little time thanking some very special people. That's right. And um, we call them our executive producers. Mm -hmm. And to become an executive producer, you have to go over to patreon.com and become a patron. Now, there are a couple of different levels for no matter what your budget is. But the beauty... Oh, Todd's falling asleep. (laughs) 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 The beauty of being the toppest... Toppest is toppest. Yes, toppest. the most high. The most high. Oh. The highest of the high. Yes. The executive mm. producer level is. Well, you get to have your name written on the thing or read written? on the thing. Oh wow! <laughs> written on the thing. Well, he blew it. You have yeah. your name written down, and then we read it on the thing. There you go. So there's there's you know at every level there's uh, various things like t-shirts and and stickers and, and buttons and stickers and all kinds of stuff and all kinds of stuff and stuff. But, you know, when you're an executive producer, you're somebody special. Yes. Well, and aside from just helping our show so very much. Helping us survive. So I got the pen pointed at me. That means it's time to read the list. Mm -hmm. So let's read from newest to oldest. (laughs) Sounds good. Does that sound good to you? (laughs) Okay, let's do it. Ken Sayers, Corey Nigro, Doug Gann, Brad Partridge, Michael Van Zant, Doug Christ, Zach J. Wright, uh, Gary Goodman, and Son Barrett. Howdy. Howdy do. Darren Gregory, Robert Marfleet, John Anglin, Chris Kearney, Sean S. S. Oliver Gonzalez, John Daly, Robin Smith, Pete Marshall, Carlos Mancha, Matt Brammer, David Wolfson, Martin Cliff, and our original. Executive producer Tom Barazin. Tom Barazin, my yes, man. sir. Thank you, everyone, for helping us out. Um, we could really use some new ones. If you've been thinking about it, just start out at the at just to, if everybody who's listening just did the one dollar. 
I can't ten percent. We're not begging you. No, ten percent of the people. Well, no. Let's just say everybody, because let's just say everybody. Let's if everybody just did just the single one dollar thing. Hey man, everybody's doing it. Everybody is doing it. How much it would help? And honestly, that's twelve dollars. It's twelve dollars for a full year of hearing our show. That's right. And if you just go to go to the five, it's less than a crappy used pedal. That's right. Or a cup of coffee. Uh, several cups of coffee. <laughs> Anyways, uh, your help is appreciated and much thanks. Thanked. Thankful for. We are thankful for it. Wow. All right, JP, help us get out of here. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? You could find us at www.henryamps.com and you can email me, uh, jp at henryamps.com. And I love to hear from people and I love to talk amps. So, and you've got a great in Instagram. Oh yeah, Instagram's probably been the best for us actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you? What? I don't even know how to tell. I guess if you just search Henry Amps uh, yep. or Henry Amplification on Instagram, uh, we'll come right up. I think it's at Henry Amplification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh, something so. like that'll work. Just look yeah. for the tooled leather. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, Tony, well, let's just say you need a custom pick guard, right? Or you want to change out pickups? Why not? I want to put these. Chevron Flying V pickups in my Telecaster. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to do awesome. it. Somebody's got to do it. Awesome. If you're an executive producer, oh, I, no, no, I think JP should do it. <laughs> <laughs> JP, let's do it. Yeah, so right, go over to Pick Guardian. Wait, legitimately, that would be amazing. A hand-tooled, or like like a, uh, that, that tooled leather mm-hmm. Telecaster pick guard with those boomerang with the Gibson pickups? boomerang pickups? Yes. Ooh. Holy moly. That would be really cool, wouldn't it? Yes. Do it. Let's okay. just do it. Keep going, Tony. Go to pickguardian.com. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to see some of the projects I've been working on... Then you uh, can look at my f- Instagram. <laughs> look at my Instagram. <laughs> the gold yeah. pick cards. But yeah, that, that'd be cool. And uh, do I it. do some things on Facebook. But uh, but yeah, check out the website. Okay, excellent. Jared. If you need some custom pickups built, um, new looking or old, go to uh, brandonmompickups.com. Or if you just want to buy ones that are already built. Absolutely. Or if you need a, a repair done and you need it done quick and right, uh, I have a very short lead time. And also look at uh, the stuff that I'm doing on Instagram. I'm always posting cool stuff on there. There you go. Brandon Wamp Pickups. If you want to get a hold of me, you can send me an email at Todd at the guitarnobs.com. And also you can direct me, direct message me on Instagram. Uh, everyone, we want to give JP a humongous thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate this. You bet. It was really fun talking with you. Uh, What is it? Once a stranger, always a friend, something like that. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's how it goes. Isn't isn't that how it goes? Something like that. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, everybody. We appreciate you hanging out. Uh, Make sure you check us out uh, on all of the places to find us at. That's great English. And I'm going to just leave us with there. Have a great guitar week and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna let these guys open up their tall boys real quick. Oh, now I'm jealous. Yeah. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog 
and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.